I was going to say this is time for Pastor Bruce's last message, but I'm quite sure it won't be his last message that he preaches here. And so uh, I know he's starting off a little different today. I'm not going to spoil it, so I'll just tell you, get ready for Pastor Bruce. Hi, how are you? No, the correct response is, I'm fine. Let's try this again. Hi, how are you? That's much better. <laughs> I'm new here. You've never met me before. My name is the Penny. I was made in 1968. I am not old. I am vintage. <laughs> and I have come to tell you... I know you. We've met before, haven't we? Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Okay, let's get back to the story. Okay, I've come to tell you a story this morning about me. And it all began when I was lying on the floor all alone. Just a penny that everyone would walk over and not even stop to pick up. They wouldn't say hello. They wouldn't even kick me down the street or across the floor. I was just a penny worth very little. So little that nobody even thought it was worth picking me up. The dog wouldn't even talk to me. The lint on the floor thought that it was better than me. Just a mere penny. And so as I was there lying on the floor all alone, when the vacuum cleaner came, you know vacuum cleaners and pennies don't get along very well. It's not just a rumor. <laughs> when the vacuum cleaner came, I had no one to protect me. There were no other pennies. If there had been a whole roll of pennies, maybe we could have been saved together. But there was only me, just one penny lying on the ground. So when the vacuum cleaner came, it sucked me up. I went, it's a miserable experience, kind of like going on three roller coasters in two minutes. I ended up in the bag where all of the lint and everything else was, and so we were all there in the trash kind of together. And it was at that point that someone finally talked to me. And so I decided at that very moment that the vacuum cleaner trash bag wasn't such a bad place to be. People would talk to me. Other pennies were there. And they weren't too good to say something to me this time. Now I finally had someone who would talk to me. And I finally could have friends all around me. So when they started to empty the vacuum cleaner bag, that's when I decided I would stay there. Because I liked it in the vacuum cleaner bag so much amongst all of the lint and the trash and the other pennies that were there and the paper clip. Well, you know what's in your vacuum cleaner bag. Don't pretend you don't. And so as I was there, I said to myself, Self? One more time, I said to myself, self, because that's what I call myself, I said, self, it is so wonderful right here amongst all of the trash. Maybe I should just stay here. And so I just stopped grabbed a hold of the side and decided no matter what, I would stay there amongst all of the trash. Well, that's the end of my story. And I need to go because I understand that you all came here to hear a puppet rather than a penny. And so the puppet, I think, is coming next. Bye!
Well, good morning. This is my friend Sunshine, and Sunshine has been begging to come to church for a while now. I'm surprised she could hear me. Why she keeps me locked up in this old Rubbermaid? And and I threw the Rubbermaid in the garage last week. And you know it stinks in there. And and it was hot. You think it was hot outside? Well, you should see it in the garage. And they keep their trash out there too. Pee, you stinks. I even think the dog peed on the side of my crate. Sunshine, you can't talk about things like that in church. Well, if you wouldn't keep me locked up in that old box, I wouldn't have to. Oh my goodness! You know, I just don't know what I'm going to do with you. Well, I hate to be alone. I know you hate to be alone. You know, I'm thinking that since you hate to be alone, I've got this great idea. You would. You always think you got a great idea. My idea is maybe you should um, participate in the the run walk for fish days. What do I look like a dummy? I'm not running in no fish days. Yuck. Do you know what fish days does? Well, I said I'm not running in no fish days. I think you mean that you're not going to run in any fish days. That's what I said. I said I'm not going to run in no fish days. Fish stink. Have you ever smelled a fish cora? They stink. The only thing worse than a fish is body odor. And let me tell you, I'm not going to get any of that body odor running in no fish days. You know. If you signed up for fish days, you'd raise money for BJMC, and you'd get to run with Pastor Paul. Did you happen to smell him after fish days last year? <laughs> P.U. Talk about stink! It was worse than the garage with the trash and the dog pee. Sunshine. Do you know what BGMC raises money for? Well, I don't care. I'm not getting myself all sweaty. Did you see I'm wearing my pretty tea party dress? I did see your tea party dress. Well, I'm not getting it all sweaty and stinky. That's for sure. Now, you know, BGMC raises money for boys and girls all over the world to hear about Jesus. Well, I still don't care. I'm not about to get all sweaty and stinky and no fish days. But sunshine, you know, those boys and girls have never heard about Jesus, and and they need to hear about Jesus. Nope, not gonna do it. But you know, BJC even raises money for puppets like you. Still not gonna do it. Nope, body odor's disgusting. <laughs> right, Kristen? <laughs> you you know, sunshine. I'm just appalled at you right now. Well, you can be appalled if you want to, but I'm not gonna be appalled. That stinky stuff is for for Pauls. Nope, nope. I'm gonna stay all fresh and pretty in my little tea party dress, and I'm gonna wait for my tea party invitation. You are still inviting me, aren't you, Miss Doris? See, I can't go to fish days. I gotta be fresh and pretty for the tea party. You know, I think it's time for a story. I, I think we need to get past all this body odor stuff. Are you going to tell me a Bible story? That's the best kind. It sure is. Is it about a story about someone who stinks? <laughs> no, no. This is a story about Paul and Silas. Wow! I knew Pastor Paul was really old, but I didn't know he was that 
Pastor Paul. This story's about the Apostle Paul. Oh, I knew that. Yeah. All right. Well, this is a story you might not have heard about before because it's not one that's told an awful lot. I'm surprised. I think I've heard them all. Well, you know, we'll see if you've heard this one. I'm sure some of these people haven't heard this story. You think they're dumb? No, I just think it's one that's not told often. Well, get with the story, will you already? All right. You see, Paul and Silas were going around teaching about Jesus, and they went to the city of Thessalonica. And while they were there, they were telling the Jews and the the Gentiles and everyone they could, they were telling them about Jesus and how he was the Messiah and the King. And, And some of them started to believe and they started to turn to God, but some of them didn't. Well, of course, you know, there's always dummies in this world. You're one to speak, aren't you? very nice. All right, let's get back to the story. Quit interrupting. All right, come on, get on with it. So there were also these people there, you know, who didn't like what Paul and Silas were doing. And so they got all upset and they got this riot going. And the angry mob was rioting and and they went to Jason's house. And Jason was, was one of the members of the church who had been there hosting them and letting them stay in his home and stuff. And, and they wanted to, to pull Paul and Silas out, but they couldn't find him. Jason had him hidden, huh? Something like that. Anyways... They dragged Jason off in front of, you know, the people who were in charge. And and they made him pay this big fine, like, you know, this money so that they could keep him from, you know, inciting more riots. And, And other people who were there with Jason had to pay this big fine, too. Wow! That's terrible! Making him pay money for doing nothing? That's right. They weren't even speeding with their chariots, were they? No speeding in their chariots. They just had been helping out Paul. And, you know, they had been willing to make that sacrifice to help Paul out. So after they paid their fine, they went back. And in the middle of the night, they snuck Paul and Silas out of the city to protect them. At great peril to their own lives. You know, by helping out Paul and Silas, not only did they have to pay this fine, but they were putting their own lives at risk. Wow, that's some story! Yeah, you know, there's, the Bible's filled with stories like that about people who made big sacrifices for others, not for themselves. You know, Jason could have just turned Paul and Silas over and saved himself some money, but he didn't do that. No, I don't suppose he did. You know, do you know why I told you this story? Hmm, let me think. Nope, can't you imagine why you told me that story? Ah, <sighs> uh, sometimes... You see, I told you that story because Jason and the other church members knew how important it was to support each other, to support their brothers and sisters in Christ. They knew that that's part of what God had called us to do, to help out those who are around us. And so even if it meant a sacrifice, they were willing to do what they needed to do for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of others. Ouch! That hurts! Do you see why I told you the story? Well, I guess it's because I've been kind of selfish. I've been thinking more about being stinky and sweaty than, than about helping all those boys and girls around the world. Yeah, and you know, God wants us to look around and open our eyes and open our hearts because look, look around this room, sunshine. Yeah, there's a lot of people here today. 
That's right. And you know, some of these people have needs that maybe we don't even know about. Maybe things are tough for them right now and they just need a hug. Or, or maybe they need a bag of groceries. Or, you know, maybe they need someone to help them out taking care of their kids. Or, or they need someone to give them some advice or to pray for them. You know, we just, God wants us all to open up our eyes and our hearts to others so that we can help each other. That sure sounds pretty pleasant. It is very pleasant. I guess I should go dig out my old sweaty clothes, huh? You mean your sweat clothes? Yeah. I don't think those would be good for, for fish days. I think you need like shorts and a t-shirt because it's pretty warm out there for fish days. Well, I think you're going to have to give me a new outfit then because I don't think I got any shorts. We'll look into it. But in the meantime, we're just going to go sit down and, and let Pastor Bruce come back. Hi, sunshine. Hey, you're good looking. I think he wants me to leave now. He always wants you to leave, sunshine. I don't know if I was more worried about sunshine coming or the penny coming. Either one can get me in a lot of trouble. Take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. We're going to look at chapter 2 and then a part of chapter 3. If I came in here and told you that you were going to um, receive a heavy dose of theology, I don't know what this is, but it's going to dry me off. Great. I forgot that towel. Um, if I told you that you were going to receive a heavy dose of theology from the theology professor, most of you would have checked and said, you know, I wonder if they need help cooking those burgers. So instead of that, I've decided to go a much different route. That was when I decided that you should get a penny's dose of theology and theology according to sunshine, and then hopefully I can tie up their messages a little bit here from 1 Thessalonians. Before I dive into 1 Thessalonians, I just want to tell you that I am grateful for the opportunity to have served here at Portview. There was not a moment or a day that I, did not, that I was not grateful and honored that God called me here to be on staff here. I worked with great people and I am um, I'm just really grateful that God gave me the opportunity to serve here. I really was just glad that someone would take me in those days. <laughs> but have been really honored every moment of every day that I've served as an associate pastor here. When you research failure in the Bible, you come up with a real significant problem as it relates to what we think about failure in, the, in America. We tend to think of someone being a failure if they go to a small church and the small church is still a small church when they leave. We tend to think that someone is a failure, at least in ministry, if things don't go exactly as we had forecasted and planned. We tend to think that someone is a failure if they take a job and that job doesn't quite work out the way that they want it. 
We tend to think of someone being a failure with all of these sorts of ideas. Well, when you transfer those ideas to researching failure in the Bible, you get a real problem. You don't find that as the definition of failure anywhere in the Bible. In fact, all that you find for a definition of failure in the Bible is people who are unfaithful to serving God. And if you serve God faithfully, everything else seems to just take care of itself either now or in eternity. So when we look at Paul, we see that we see what could be forecasted as a failure when he left town in Thessalonica, the story which you have already heard. We kind of run out of town. And as he was run out of town, he went from there to a couple of more stops. And after a couple of more stops, we get to what he writes in 1 Thessalonians. The book was written not long after he had been there with them. And so when we... Did you know the idea of failure really bothers us? The word failure, in fact, in and of itself, really annoys us. We don't really like the word. How many of you have ever failed at something? Oh, good. How many of you are failures? Yeah, see, not as many. The definition of a failure is someone who has failed. A lot of people, yes, I've failed. Not many say, oh, yeah, I'm a failure. We don't really like the word. We don't like the idea. You tell someone, I was a failure. They try to talk you out of it, even if you were. Did you know that if you got shut out in a softball game... Oh, sorry, bad example. <laughs> Did you know that if you got shut out in a, in a softball game, 22 to nothing, and you went and said, boy, we were failures, someone would try to talk you out of that? No, 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 you played a good game. You really looked stylish when you laid out there. You didn't catch the ball, but at least you tried. I know you struck out five times, but you looked really good doing it. People want to talk you out of that for some reason rather than just acknowledging maybe you have had some setbacks and things did not go exactly as you had planned. You may have arrived at this point in time in your life this morning where things in life have not gone exactly as you had planned. You are not in bad company. You're in really good company if things didn't go as you had planned. Because that is what we find when we turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter number... Oh, i got too many pages here. Let's jump to this one right here. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse number 17. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again... But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown, our boasting before our Lord Jesus at His coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, and that no one would be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and he has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us, as we long to see you. 
I'm going to stop right there, even though I know it's mid-sentence for the sake of brevity. He continues on to say, Now that we've heard the report from Timothy, we're excited that you did not shipwreck your faith, that you did not abandon it, that you did not jump to something different. People come into church in all sorts of different ways. People come into church needing a helping hand. And that is nice that when they do and that we, when we can help them, that is a great thing. But sometimes it's just a little bit too much on our part of, of our own ego, thinking that people who come in need a helping hand and we look down on people when we're giving them a helping hand. And that is not God's plan at all. God's plan is that it would look a whole lot like 1 Thessalonians 2 and 3, where we understood that we were in this thing called Christianity together. That we were as a family side by side. And that we were crawling through trouble. That we were standing together through difficult times and through good times. That we were helping each other out. And as we look at that, we begin to see some truths that emerge from these verses. Verse 17 through 20 of chapter 2 again tells us that you live for God fully when you crawl through trouble with others. Now that is a really tall statement to say that you live for God fully when you're standing with others. Because we really like to think that He's all I need. Remember that old song, someone wears cookie. She helps me with all of these old songs. He's all I need, He's all I need. Jesus, you're all I need. I used to sing those things. I gave up on that years ago. It doesn't work out in sermons. We used to sing those kinds of songs and we would tell ourselves Jesus is all that we need. We don't need the person next to us. Look at the person on one side of you and say, I need you. Too many husbands and wives getting all googly-eyed there. If that's all the service I can do for you this morning is to enhance your marriage, I've done a good thing. <laughs> Ask yourself this question, though. Why else would Satan hinder Paul from going to see them if it weren't an important thing in our Christian life? If being connected to other people weren't important, why would the enemy bother to keep you from doing it? When we leave out this idea that we are to be connected with each other in fellowship, we leave out an, a major aspect of the Christian life. It is truly spiritual for us to have fellowship one with another. For Paul, who connected our life together with heaven and its rewards. In verses 18 through 20, he says, You are my reward, you are my joy, you are my crown. When he got to heaven, he fully anticipated that the life he lived together with other people would what would be focused on at the judgment seat of Christ. And sometimes we lose sight of the spiritual nature of fellowship because we think it's more like a picnic fellowship. Fellowship is as much about praying together at an altar as it is about eating burgers together at a picnic. In fact, it's more about the things we do when we stand side by side, shoulder to shoulder, or kneel next to someone at an altar, or earlier in our prayer circles, or at some other point in time, and together crawl through life's trouble. There are many expressions of crawling through trouble. I couldn't even begin to try to figure them all out. Cooking meals for someone else, or crying at an altar with them, or calling someone who is absent, or roofing someone's house, or on and on and on the list might go. But you live for God fully when you crawl through trouble with them. Not just your own trouble, but theirs also. Oh, how it grates against me like fingernails on a chalkboard when people tell me that they don't go to church because they... Don't need it. Something about the connection of the body of Christ is missing from that picture. 
Did you ever stop to think that the person sitting next to you this morning needed you to be here more than you needed to be here? And that you cannot crawl through trouble by remote control. You cannot be an absentee crawler. A couple of weeks ago, my air conditioning went out. About a week and a half ago, not at the height of the heat, but the air conditioning went out and the repairman came and I, uh, it was late in the evening. He told me that he had been crawling through a crawl space in Waukesha all day. He was grateful for anything, even if it meant standing outside my house when it was hot, looking at my compressor. You can't crawl through crawl spaces when you're sitting at home in front of a video game. The two don't really go together. You know that, and just practically speaking, I don't have to spend any more time on it because it's so obvious Yet when it comes to spiritually going through trouble with people, we somehow think that you can do that in 140 characters or less. Ooh, there's a problem. I'll send a text. That'll fix it. Those of you in that texting generation, rebel against your generation and what they're trying to do to you. Because I really... Ten years ago, I told people, five years ago, I told people in the church world, I had high hopes for your generation to solve the problem of connecting as a body. That was until you discovered the world could be done in 140 characters. And now you can stand next to each other in the mall and text somebody else or each other and never say a word to each other. I implore upon you, rebel against that because it's not true connection. You're not connecting with someone just because you could send a text message. Send them all you want. I have a phone that texts. I got a phone that texted this past week, a new phone, simply because I could type a little bit better than I could on my old keyboard. I'm not against it. I just think you have to rebel against thinking that that is crawling through trouble with someone. It's not. And the Christian life is about doing that. That's what Paul said he wanted to do. He wanted to find out about whether or not the afflictions that were upon them, the government that was against them, the people that had turned against them, whether or not they had endured for Christ or if they had been unfaithful to Him. For you live for God fully when you crawl through trouble with people and you live for God fully when you give to bless other people. Standing as brothers and sisters side by side to bless them. Uh, when I was a church planter, I was a hard-working church planter. I networked with other people only to find out that I was ministering in an area where insiders ruled everything. I worked hard as a church planter only to find that there weren't enough hours in the week to make a difference in that area. I saw with vision only to find that I had old eyes for new spiritual issues. I called other pastors to try to network with them because no one who starts a church truly succeeds in church planting without other churches. One pastor who could have helped that had 550 people said, we have to circle the wagons right now. Things are a little tough. Another pastor said, we are here with you to pray with you. In fact, let's pray right now on the phone. It's the last I heard him. One pastor who could have helped said, I don't know where all my people live. Really? You don't read your own directory? One pastor said that they would stand with me, that they had plenty of people that they could give to help. Instead, they chose to give $100 a month. I was grateful for that. Another pastor invited me into his church, but it was an all-black church, and I was in, starting a church in the Nicolay High School area. Let's face it, that wasn't really going to go together very well. Another church I visited, it was prophesied while I was there at that church that they would bless Jewish people. Nicolay High School is 35 to 40% Jewish. They never called me. Later, a pastor friend in a small group setting, we are totally vested with you, brother. 
Maybe you remember that moment. We are going to stand behind you completely. The only problem was his word order. He meant that he was going to stand completely behind me. Like way back there. Never heard from him again. Another pastor who wouldn't even return my phone calls when I called for help with an outreach. In other words, no one ever fails alone unless you just leave them alone. Or unless they want to be alone. Other places, other churches should have done more. Why would I run through that list on a Sunday morning? Partially because I believe God directed me to, and partially because I wanted to dramatize what happens to Lone Ranger Christians. Either because they want to be alone or because we leave them alone. Things don't turn out well. And I wanted to rejoice that Portview was a church that would stand with churches like that today. That Portview is a church that would stand if someone called and said, we're starting, we think you can help. I am confident of the pastoral team here that they would say, we will do what we believe God has for us to do and that would be something more than, let's pray now and you'll never hear from me again. All of those churches within five years lost more than, more than double the number of people they could have given me. All of them. I believe that it was God's way of saying, if you won't give, you won't hang on to. But when you try to hang on to with a closed fist, you discover that what you had in your fist is taken away from you. And I don't want God to withhold from me, so I don't want to hold on to things too tightly. More importantly, I don't want to live being afraid that if I hold on to things that something bad could happen, so I have to hold on tight. When we dare to not hold on to things we discover God's rich blessings and rewards. And we dare not hang on to what was never really ours to keep anyway. You live for God fully when you give to bless other people. You live for God fully when you stand firm through suffering. The drama of the cross is the logic of the New Testament. I know that that sounds really professorial and it is kind of. I'll try to make that really simple. Over and over again, we see in the New Testament that the logic behind almost everything you read in the New Testament, in every one of the books of the New Testament, is that Jesus suffered, died, and rose again. It's the reason why we're supposed to do anything and everything we do. It's there over and over and over and over again. You could open up your New Testament to any passage, and I could tell you how that is the logic behind that passage. So when Paul talks about suffering here in verses 3 through 4, when he says, we were willing to suffer with you and we knew that you had been suffering and we were in fact willing to suffer so you wouldn't have to suffer. He is referring to the fact that Jesus was willing to suffer and as our example, we should follow His example and understand that sometimes in life we are going to give up some things so that other people don't have to suffer quite so much. For you live for God fully when you stand firm with someone else through their suffering. The story here is short, but it's very clear. Not only had they suffered while Paul was there, but the persecution had continued. And Paul had heard about it and he wanted to make sure that they were not, that they had not given up on their faith. They wanted, he wanted to make sure that they were not sidetracked. He wanted to make sure that they remained faithful to God because you live for God fully when you stand with other people through their suffering. And you live for God fully when you stand shoulder to shoulder, not a helping hand only but willing to just provide the grace and love and acceptance that someone else needs so that they can go through the things that God takes them through so that no one else fails alone. I want to return now to what we learned from Sunshine and the Penny. 
And while you didn't necessarily get a heavy dose of theology, you did, in fact, get 45 minutes worth of week, of week number 10 and theology, too, crammed into 20 minutes here. <laughs> what did we learn from the penny and from sunshine? We learned from the penny that when you just leave people alone, they eventually discover that dirt and someone there is better than no dirt and no one there. If you need a translation into the world of sin and spirituality, let me help you with that. When we do not stand side by side with people in fellowship, when we come in late and leave early every week, we miss the opportunity to provide the support that someone else needs. What did we learn from sunshine? A whole lot of things, probably. <laughs> Maybe a whole lot of stuff we weren't supposed to learn. I don't know. What did we learn from sunshine? We learned that when, when we give for other people, even at, even at personal cost and personal risk, that it is a good thing to help other people. Not just because it's a good thing to be a nice person to other people, but because it's, because it's God's plan to stand side by side with people going through difficult times and difficult moments. Because it's God's plan that you give your phone number to the person who will try to kill themselves 50 times over the next year and call you every one of those times. Been there, Pastor Mark? I've been there, taking those 50 phone calls in a year. It is a good thing to stand with people in those situations. It's a good thing to stand between two brothers who park themselves on opposite ends of the, of the road. I don't know, I just thought of this. I looked down here and I thought of this story. You maybe know the men. Who sat on either end of a back row in a church for 20 years because they wouldn't speak to each other. Finally, someone got in between them and said, don't you think you guys could talk a little bit? It is a good thing to be that person to make peace. It is a good thing to be a peacemaker with other people and bridge those gaps. It is a good thing to stand side by side with other people to be willing to give on their behalf. To be willing to, to crawl through trouble with them. To stand firm through suffering and help them to stand firm. And to stand shoulder to shoulder. It's at this point that I should probably sing some song like, Bind Us Together, Dear Lord. <laughs> instead, instead, I'd just like to conclude in prayer. Would you close your eyes with me for a moment? You may have lived this way and you need, may need this morning to make a commitment for the very first time that you're going to live this way, standing side by side with other people in Jesus Christ so that they can go through difficult times. So that they can go through whatever God has for them to go through. So they can experience blessing and pain. And I simply want you this morning, if you are willing to commit to live for God fully by living in the family of Jesus... I simply want you to stand quietly where you're at as a commitment to saying I am willing to stand with other people in God's family. I'm willing to do the things that are necessary to do that. So whether you have lived this way before or you are making that commitment for the very first time this morning, if you'd like to commit to what you've heard this morning, what God is doing in your heart based on the sermon, would you please just stand where you are and say I'm willing to do that. Stand side by side, shoulder to shoulder with other people. If you keep your eyes closed for just one more moment. Would everyone else please stand so that now if you look, you won't know that the person next to you is still struggling with that kind of a commitment. 
Lord Jesus, I have believed in my heart for at least four months that you wanted us this morning to talk about being a body and what that meant and what that looked like and going through difficult times offering someone more than just a helping hand, offering them our heart, our love. And that it is just as much a part of the Christian faith as receiving and experiencing your presence. And so I ask, ask, oh God, that for every person who has this morning stood saying they wanted to commit to being a part of your body, your family, standing side by side, shoulder to shoulder with the person next to them to encourage them, to support them, to pray with them, to help them grow. That you would help them in that commitment. Empower them and equip them, all of us, to live out that commitment. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.